Hello, everyone, and welcome to United Teachers of Lowell's Straight Talk podcast. This is Amy Bisson and Mickey Dumont. We're the host of this weekly podcast produced by and for members of the United Teachers of Lowell. In our weekly podcasts, you'll hear about local, state, and national issues that affect our members. You'll also hear about some of the accomplishments of our members, and we will keep you up to date with news and decisions that impact all of us. Massachusetts has a long and often arduous history ensuring each and every child has access to quality education. The McDuffie case, decided in 1996, was the impetus for 1993's Education Reform Act, which guaranteed all children access to an equitable education regardless of zip code. Those funds, often referred to as Chapter 70, are based on a rather complicated series of formula resulting in the foundation budget. That all sounds fairly forward-thinking until one learns that, for the most part, these formulas have never been updated since 1993. That's right, the Commonwealth provides monetary aid to cities and towns based on the economics of 1993, when educational costs have kept on rising. We're here today with Jeremy Schenk, AFT Mass political organizer. Jeremy actively advocates for public education in public schools through his work with AFT Massachusetts, but also as a parent of three school-aged children in the Boston Public Schools. Jeremy is here with us today to help unravel some of the complexities surrounding the foundation budget and the critical effort to update education aid provided to cities like Lowell, the status of the proposed millionaire's tax, and what we can do here in Lowell to ensure our students and our schools are funded in a fair and equitable way. So we're going to start today by asking Jeremy, what is a foundation budget and why should we care? Hi. Um, we'll, go, we'll get right into it. This, the foundation budget essentially is the baseline of money that the state provides for districts around the the state. So um, at its minimum, uh, each city in every school district gets a certain amount of money, and the formula is the very complicated, long algorithm that determines how much that money is. Um, it was written in 1993 as part of the original Education Reform Act um, that there are some things that we very much didn't like in that. One of the things that was very good was the creation of this formula because it did a couple of things in particular. It acknowledged that different cities need different amounts of funding from the state because of who they are as cities and who those student populations are, what the economic base of the town is. And it sort of understood the, the underlying unfairness of basing school funding just on property taxes, right? That in wealthy towns, property is worth more, so they're going to have more money than, say, blue-collar towns, gateway cities, um, uh, working-class cities. So the state acknowledged that and said, okay, well, then we'll put in extra dollars to the cities that need it the most. And I think our friends at the Massachusetts Budget and Policy Center would say it largely worked. It meant a lot of new money for schools. And that it worked for quite a while. The problem is, is that 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 original algorithm, I guess, or or math, you know, equation, hasn't been updated since 1993. And that's a problem now because we don't have expenses, or we don't budget our own personal expenses based on 1993. 
Yeah, I mean, I was 14 in 1993, and I had a, a checkbook still that I that was my first checkbook that I wrote checks for. I don't have a checkbook anymore. I use my debit card, you know. Um, but the idea is, I'm getting my head, you know, you're shaking your heads at me, but that's awesome. But the idea is, the formula is a concept is great, but we need to revisit it. We need to take um, action. And this is good to remember, too, is that the state also commissioned a study to review the foundation funding formula called the FBRC, so Foundation Budget Review Commission, that um, Baker funded and funded the, the review. And they acknowledge, the state acknowledge, we underfund our schools by about $2 billion annually. Billion with a B, annually. Right? So if you think about it, we're like, we're, we owe our children that much money every year. And we acknowledge there's a problem, so that's step one. We have said we need to update the funding partic- formula, particularly for three issues. One is it undercounts and underfunds special education, English language learner, and low-income students. And as we really see, often districts have a piling on of all three of those things, mm-hmm. right? That you'll have extra amounts of all those kids. So you're sort of underfunding the, the neediest districts the most. And then the other cost has been that the, since 1993, the cost of health insurance has changed a ton. And that this is this bigger and bigger expense that the state has not created extra funding for. Yeah, right. Exactly. Not to mention just the change in the market since 1993, um, GIC, all these different things. So, um, you know, we've acknowledged a problem. We've identified the issues. And, you know, educators and parents have been really for decades now with our own sort of like two hands been trying our best to fill those gaps, whether that be educators buying supplies, parents fundraising for core programming that they shouldn't have to. I always use my children's school as an example. They live, um, I live in, in Roxbury in Boston. My kids go to school in a neighborhood called Eagleson Square, and we're on the hook from anywhere between twenty dollars and $40,000 a year to maintain our art and music programming. That's not what parents should be fundraising for. And that Local towns have also acknowledged that the funding formula doesn't work and put in extra money. It's just that not every town can afford to do that. And Lowell is one of the towns that um, can't write a bunch of extra checks to fund on top of the local, uh, on top of the, the, the formula. So, Jeremy, is it fair to say that gateway cities like Lowell are hurt the most by not updating the foundation budget? Yes, that's super fair to say, right? So if you have an outdated funding formula and you're Andover, North Andover, or you're Wellesley, uh, you, can, you can fill in that gap yourself based on your property values. You ha- often have surplus budgets, right? And that's one thing you just don't see in cities like Lowell. Um, we're, we're barely making budgets every year. So what often happens is there'll be an additional amount of money that cities self-fund. But the cities who can't self-fund are gateway cities, and we tend to have the most expensive student populations because of the issue we t- I talked about earlier, which is higher numbers of English language learners, higher numbers of uh, low-income students, um, high, and, and interestingly enough, higher numbers of edu- special education, um, and then students who are sometimes all of those things, who are an English language learner, special education, and low-income and then increasingly in places like Lowell, Lynn, Lawrence, um, you're seeing students who are coming mid-year from other countries. They may not be, they may not have had much formal schooling at all, 
right? So they may speak another language, but they may not write that other language. Um, and so the formula just doesn't reflect this current student population because our student population is very different than 1993. So what in the foundation budget, what is the holdup? Because that seems to be something that has been an ongoing political issue for some time. Yeah, I mean, $2 billion is probably the holdup. It's a big number, right? Um, especially when you have a governor who's not interested in any new revenue, right? So it puts you in a, in a tough place. But as someone who has been working on this stuff um, as a as a urban public school parent for a long time, now with AFT for the last uh, almost four years now working on school funding issues, you won't get, say, a state legislator is not going to tell you they think schools are funded. They'll all acknowledge that schools are underfunded. Somewhere between that and putting their name on a bill to fix the problem is where where the rubber meets the road and where we often hear um, equivocations and back, people backing out. So I think we should say that there's more pressure, and I think you both know this, there's more pressure now than there's ever been on this issue. Districts, superintendents are speaking out about this more than ever before. I think you can say this is the number one reason question two around charter schools overwhelmingly failed two years ago was because people know that their schools are underfunded and they couldn't take more money away from schools. Mm -hmm. School committees are speaking out about the issue. The, the legislature is feeling pressure. That's the only place we can fix the state formula is, is pass legislation to fund and update that formula. Jeremy, now the Senate passed the foundation budget review bill unanimously. I think it was 38 to 0. Um, we're having trouble in the House of Representatives, though. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit? Well, the House has a reputation, and they earned it, and they deserve it, for being our Republican part of our legislature. As someone who grew up in the South, I think I'm just going to start calling them the Republicans. But you pass something uh, unanimously in the Senate. It, it got slowed way down in the House, particularly in the – and it was – and we should say, too, it, it passed out of that joint committee on education, right? That's a House and Senate committee. Um, and the, the, the House chair of that committee is by no means a progressive and really with us on this issue. But I think she acknowledges uh, – Rep. Alice Peich is her name – that something does need to be done about this. So it went to Ways and Means, um, and that's where it really slowed down. I think one reason it slowed down is people were waiting to see – what was going to happen with the fair share amendment to raise taxes on millionaires. So you, and what did happen with that? Uh, I mean, I think I'll just say, like, worst case scenario, right, was the polling all said, you know, about 80 percent, the huge numbers of Massachusetts residents supported it. So the worst thing for us that could happen was it doesn't make it to the ballot because we knew we could win, and it didn't. So Governor Baker appointed the majority of the judges on the SJC, the state judicial court, and um, that majority voted that we it was unconstitutional to try to amend the Constitution. Okay, my head's spinning on that. <laughs> well, it should spin because I think it was a political decision. It reminds me a lot of our Supreme Court in the United States, which it the idea that it's unconstitutional to change the Constitution, I think, and what the dissent in opinion uh, said and what folks uh, in our in our sort of school funding and, and community have said is it uh, it took the 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 speech and the will of the people not it didn't take that into account and they referred to some minutia saying you know well we couldn't direct money specifically on a question they used kind of i think legal uh legalese to um make an ideological decision 
So, Jeremy, what should our listeners be doing to help move this forward? Because we we just have until the end of July to get this moved out of the House. And if that doesn't happen, we don't see it again until next January. Yeah, now is absolutely the time. Now, I should say, I feel like I had to be, I'm an optimist, right? I'm 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 a progressive optimist. And while I gave all the bad news, the good news is it actually is moving in the House. There's a ton of pressure on these folks. The majority of folks in the House signed on to a well, well over the majority. Um, I think it was over it was 86. I'm trying to remember what the exact number was. I thought it was closer to 90, but it certainly wasn't a super majority. Right. So there was a concern in that. Yep. And, and um, signed on to a letter to say, let's bring this to a vote. We think we have the votes in the House. Let's do it. Let's go with our colleagues in the Senate. There's a ton of right now, currently, I'm sure there's conversations happening at the State House maneuvering around to try to figure out if there's a version that they could pass in the House. The um, educator unions and parents are, are suggesting to friendly legislators to make good amendments. But right now, there is a watered-down version of what the Senate passed that doesn't do enough, I think, specifically for gateway cities. It, it doesn't have uh, enough around fixing the funding uh, for English language learners um, and our friends in the school committee um, universe, the Mass Association of School Committees, have a kind of call to action to ask people to call their legislators to say that, you know, we've got to do something about special education funding, English language learners. And the, the House bill calls for another study to study the issue on low-income students and ELLs. But like I said earlier, we've already done that. We have a commission that took a, you know, a long time to do this. We, we know we underfund that. We don't need to look at it. We need to fix it. Um, and um, so I would encourage people can do a couple of things. One is to call your rep. So in Lowell, we have one rep who's with us. Um, that would be Ratty Mom. Yeah, who, frankly, has been um, pretty great on this stuff and really listens to, to constituents. But, you know, for a gateway district like Lowell, and we have, we have three reps who represent this community, to only have one on board with something that could potentially bring tens of millions of dollars to, to children in Lowell is, is not cool. It's, it's rather disappointing. Yeah. And I would contend kind of irresponsible. It's just like not even um, uh, listening to your own constituents, you know. Um, so that's one thing people can do. And the we're a part of a really exciting – and here's the – I think the number one reason that it's gotten as far as it's gotten is the newly formed Massachusetts Education Justice Alliance and Lowell Education Justice Alliance where I think a few years ago this would have been seen as a teacher issue. I think the fact that there is now a statewide coalition and local coalitions in places like Lowell of parents, like Lowell, including Lowell across the state, of parents, students, and teachers together pushing for this stuff is how we've gotten it as far as we've gotten. Um, and so they're, they're, the Massachusetts Education Justice Alliance is putting together a um, rally at the State House on Thursday. Um, I'm sorry, Thursday the 12th. Is that correct? Yes, that'd be thir- this Thursday coming up, the 12th, at 1 p.m. T- to 4 p.m. We're doing a rally at the State House, and then we're going to go talk to our legislators right after that. So it's almost like um, a rally in a lobby day. And the idea just saying, you know, we're, they're asking to join them in demanding that the State House follow through on the recommendations of the Foundation Budget Review Commission and update the formula. Now, I just had a question because we've received the argument that. Uh, we would pass it, but we don't have the money to do that. How would you respond to people on that? 
Yeah. I mean, um, that's what I would say if I didn't want to fund schools too. Um, but the problem there was is a lot of the revenue. So that it's, it's like you got to update the formula and you have to fund the formula. This bill would update the formula. It wouldn't actually commit funds. So we need to find that funding. Right now, though, there's no reason not to fix the formula. You know, it could more specifically identify how much money we need and where. It could do a lot of really cool things. And then we need to keep working to figure out how we're going to fix this problem that Baker's judges caused us. So we've been talking today with uh, Jeremy Shank about foundation budgets and some of the things we can do. Uh, if you would look below, you will find some links to your legislators, and we encourage everyone to contact them preferably by phone, but um, as well as email. Uh, it wouldn't hurt to also contact our city governance because they would also be able to push as a group for this as well. And we, we hope that many of our listeners will show up on Thursday to uh, in a show of solidarity and a show of force to let our state house know that this is serious and we really would like to see this resolved. Yeah, and for those educators who are on their summer uh, breaks, and uh, you know, this is a time to be able to get to the state house to tell your story. I think what often happens is there can be a disconnect between folks at the state house and those of us on the ground in schools every day, which is how how that lack of funding plays out in your life and how you see it, whether that you're a parent, what you see from your child's perspective. Um, whether you're an educator, what do you see from your students' perspective, to really make it so it's not just $2 billion, but it's a real thing. We don't have librarians. We don't have nurses. We have, um, we're talking in Lynn about class sizes in middle school of like, you know, over 30, 30 to 35 students. Like, this is what happens in blue collar and gateway cities when we don't fix this. And I would add, we're keeping it a little broad. For right now, we're saying fund the Foundation Budget Review Commission's um, recommendations. You've got more info there around some of the specifics. And then on Thursday, we may have a super updated demand based on where we're at, right? Because they literally could vote on something from the House tomorrow morning. And then that would go to what's called a conference committee because it will be a different bill than what the Senate passed. So that committee would be then kind of debating and, and, and hashing out what it could look like. So it'll be the perfect time to be there at the state house to say, Hey, you know, uh, conference committee pass as close to the Senate's bill as you can. So this is definitely an issue that won't be over and done in one fell swoop. It's something that, uh, if we can get to step one, which is to get the house to get it out of committee, then going into a compromise situation would allow for some benefit for our schools and our foundation budgets. So it's something that we all need to keep our eye on throughout the summer and probably into the fall as well. That's absolutely the case. And, uh, you know, we'll have to get our heads around what are some other ideas on bringing revenue in as well. Thanks, Jeremy. We appreciate you coming in to talk about this today. You're a wealth of information. You sure are. Thanks, Jeremy. All right. Thank you. For anyone listening who would like additional information on this issue of foundation budget and what an updated Chapter 70 means to Lowell, we'll be posting some of the information shared at Legis Foundation Budget Information Meeting in the show notes on our website, utl495-podcast.blueberry, that's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot net. 
Lowell has an active group of parents, teachers, and community members meeting regularly to engage and inform our community about issues including the foundation budget and school finances. That group, Lowell Education Justice Alliance, or LEJA, can be found on Facebook at Lowell Education Justice Alliance. Any parent, teacher, or community member is more than welcome to come to attend meetings. Again, thank you all for listening today. Please take a moment to hit the subscribe button on our website so you can keep up with the most current episodes of this podcast. Additional resource information will also be posted at utl495-podcast.blueberry, that's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y, dot net. We'd love to hear from you. If you have questions, comments, or ideas for future conversations, send us an email at utlstraighttalk at gmail.com or comment below. Until next time, this is Mickey Dumont and Amy Bisson wishing you a great week.